Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. Starting a new series today called Dung to Dominion. I'm convinced you can make anything into a sermon. So that's what I'm doing today. Uh, but I, I, was, <laughs> I, I was reminded of a news story a few years old now uh, about New Zealand. New Zealand is just a beautiful place. Got a picture of it up here. It's a beautiful place, uh, New Zealand. Uh, several years ago, they tried to really uh, become like one of the greenest countries on the planet. So they tried to regulate emissions, tried to control like the factories and the smog and the pollution and just really crack down on it to try to, you know, save the ozone or whatever they were trying to do. And after years of trying to do this, they discovered that they hadn't eliminated the problem, that, the, that somehow methane was escaping into the atmosphere and still causing a problem. And they found out and they traced it to where it was. It was because there were so many stinking sheep and cattle that evidently break wind and belch a lot. I'm not making that up. That's the truth. In 1982, I believe there were 70 million sheep and only 3 million people in New Zealand. Now that's 22 sheep per person. That's crazy. And so I say all that to set up our story today because that's a lot of sheep. And so that's, that is. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about a pasture and David with a bunch of sheep. And so how many of you guys have ever owned animals? They do not smell very good at all. They don't. It, I mean, they're nice to look at from a distance, but if you get closer, they're a little bit smelly. It reminds me of a story of when I was a youth pastor and we were at a, a large church and we had this big Christmas production. We we had the, the sheep and the donkeys and the, the people dressed up and the wise men. And, and somehow I got the responsibility of becoming the camel handler because we actually had three life-size real camels. And so we built this little plastic chute that was hidden from the, uh, the production. And it was about the, the size of the stage. And I had to be back there. It was a surreal scene. I had to be back there, me and three wise men and three real camels, all in this little spot. It was just a crazy thing. And so I have, I'm watching where I put my feet because these camels' feet are huge. And what made it worse is there are two camels just breathing on me the whole time. And I couldn't move at all. And they just stink, okay? They just stink. And so animals stink. And so when I think about the story of David in a pasture, we have this picturesque picture, kind of like New Zealand and all that stuff. But I think it was a little bit more realistic. I think it was a little bit uh, uncomfortable. I think it was a little bit, I mean, you have sheep dung all around you. It wasn't always the pretty picture. And so that's where we want to start. We want to start with the story of the pastor and David. And as we pick it up in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8, God speaks to the prophet Nathan to go and remind David of how far he's come. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8, we see this reminder happen. It says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. A lot has happened in David's life since he was back in the pasture. Now he's prince over the people of God. But God sometimes has to take us back, doesn't he? He has to take us back and remind us of how far he's brought us. And so he says, you were once in the pasture, this pasture of insignificance where nobody knew who you were, where no one knew what you were going through. How many of you guys have ever been in the pasture of insignificance before? It seems like no one's around, that nobody understands, that no one's going to see what God is calling you to do. It just seems like no one sees it. And that's where David was at. He was in this pasture of insignificance. And we've all found ourselves there at times where no one seems to understand, no one seems to see what or care what we're doing or get involved in our lives. And that's where David was at. He was in this pasture of insignificance. I think sometimes when we read a story like that, 
and we think about being insignificant in that time, we think, well, it probably wasn't so bad in that culture. Because in that culture, they were all agriculture people, and there'd be shepherds out by themselves all the time. That was just commonplace. They didn't feel insignificant in that. But how many of you guys remember the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, I believe it is, where David's a teenager, and he gets sent by his dad to go take his brothers some food. And his brothers are at the battle, and they've got the battle lines drawn. And so here comes David, teenager, bringing food for his big brothers who are at the battle, and they're warriors. And just as David shows up, what happens? The giant Goliath comes out and starts taunting the people of God, starts challenging the people of Israel. And so David starts walking around to people. Hey, what happens to the guy who takes this guy out? And people are like, well, he gets this and this and this. And he starts to get and show interest. And then remember the story how Eliab, his older brother, comes to him and said, David, what are you doing? What are you even doing here? You're just here delivering pizza, buddy. That's all you are. And you're here asking all these questions about stuff. Who do you think you are? He begins to belittle him. And he even goes so far as to say this. And what, who do you think you are? And what have you done with those few little sheep that you keep in the wilderness? You see, he was dealing with that same thing. That pasture of insignificance. And it's interesting as you look at this scripture, put the scripture back up there. As you look at how this worded in this scripture, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince. Now, aren't sheep supposed to follow the shepherd? And here, I believe it's just another way that God is reminding how far he's taken David. That David was once in this pasture of insignificance, following the sheep around, to now he's leading the people of God. Now, here's what I want to do in this series. Here's what this, today's all about, pursuing the call of God on your life. But here's what I want to do in this series, and especially today. I want you to get your hopes up. Everywhere you turn, everybody says, don't get your hopes up. It might not turn out like you think it will. Don't get your hopes up. It's not going to be as good as you think. Don't get your hopes up. If you don't get your hopes up, then they won't be dashed. Here's what I want you to do. If you want to follow Jesus, you better get your hopes up. I want you to raise the level of your hope today. I want you to raise, I want you to get your hope. You know, you've been beaten down by life or by this pasture of insignificance and you've been there for too long that your hopes got that flattened. Get your hopes up today. And here's what I want to do in this series. I want to also help us understand mainly next week the attributes of royalty that God has put in us in our DNA now that we've been born again. You better start. And so today, I want you to get your hopes up. I want you to blow the lid off some of your thinking to understand where God, maybe you're in the pasture of insignificance today, but God wants to take you from being a follower to leading. God wants to take you from insignificance to being prince over his people. Because here's what I want us to catch today. Every single person in this room, every single chair, God has a call for you. God has a place for you. He is a calling on your life. There are no exceptions in this room today. It's not just for a certain group of people. Every single person, no matter how old you are, how young you are, what your past is like, he has a call for you. Every single one of us has a call of God on our life. You look at through Scripture and you see Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he understood he had a call, and we understand that, but let's look at what he says. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's enabled me because he's counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Putting me into the ministry, we say, well, of course, Paul's in the ministry because Paul's like writing, you know, the New Testament and Paul has a call on his life. And you say, but I'm not Paul, so I don't know if I have a call. Listen, every single one of us has a call of God on our life. Don't ever let someone tell you that you don't. 
Don't ever let Satan tell you that you don't have a call from God on your life. Don't ever let a circumstance tell you you don't have a call of God on your life. Don't ever let a discouragement tell you you don't have a call of God on your life. Don't ever let an insignificant season tell you you don't have a call of God on your life. Every single person has a call of God on their life in this room. Do you guys believe that this morning? Have I drilled that in just a little bit? Because here's, here's what happens. Many times we begin to think we don't have a call. You say, well, I don't, you, you don't understand, Sean, because I don't have this or that. And people who have a call on their life have this and that. You say, well, you don't understand, Sean, because I've done this or that. And there's no way God could use me because I've done this or that. We'll keep reading in Paul's statement. He says, I've been put in the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, although I was formerly a persecutor, although I was formerly an insolent man, but I obtained mercy. He goes on in the next scripture, I believe, to talk about the grace of God and how it was poured out into his life. And you and I are no different. We have a call of God on our life. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what skills you have, what talents you have or you don't have. You have a call from God on your life. And if you have a call of God on your life, then how many of you guys know it's about time we get busy pursuing whatever that is? And we're going to talk about some of the things that it might be. But we've got to get busy about the call that God has for us today. Now, how many of you guys would agree with this statement? That if it's true that God has a call for every single individual in this room, wouldn't that be the most important thing that ought to be on the front burner of our life? I mean, if that's true. And yet, how many times do we fill our lives with other things? Good things, and yet we have a lot of life to live, and we're not supposed to cut out everything out of our lives. But how many times in our life do we fill up our lives with so many things that we start to lose sight of the call? And it doesn't mean that those things all need to disappear from our life, but it does mean that we need to constantly strain to keep our eyes fixed upon what God has called us to do. And Paul shows us that he was serious about it. 